Oh, there's no doubt. First off, good to talk with you, Steve. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was certainly a, a joyous afternoon in Kentucky for sure. Um, you know, I don't know how much it uh, hovered over the program. I don't know how much it hovered over each individual player or each individual coach. I'm sure that is dependent on the person. However, clearly it was a cathartic moment uh, when C.J. Taylor intercepted Will Levis and the ball game was over and they had won the game. It was clearly a level of catharsis on the field for sure. Uh, as you look at Vanderbilt playing for ball eligibility, four wins, where do you see the most improvement in this team, Andrew, from start to now? I would say athleticism, and that's really from the start of last season to this point in time. There are more people, Steve, on the field for Vanderbilt that can make more explosive plays than they've had for the better part of two to three years, whether that's the wide receiver, Will Shepard, who has nine receiving touchdowns, uh, whether that's the running back, Ray Davis, who's coming off a a couple of really strong uh, 100-yard performances uh, on the ground, whether that's the quarterback, Mike Wright, who ran for a 59-yard touchdown run against Kentucky, or if he comes back, the freshman quarterback, A.J. Swan, who's got just a gigantic arm. Defensively, they've got a couple of players that, that can get after you. Uh, the safety anchor position, whatever you want to call it, C.J. Taylor's a local kid. He's made some special, special plays. as multiple defensive touchdowns uh, this season. So that, that doesn't mean they've got enough SEC depth uh, to truly challenge the top of the league. We understand that. We get that. But right now, there's way more athleticism and way more people on this team that are going to challenge you than perhaps last year or two years ago. Uh, you mentioned the quarterback situation. Uh, and again, if, if Ship comes back, who would be the starter? Has that been determined yet? Uh, so... I think that's going to be a game-time decision whether A.J. Swan can go or, or whether he cannot go. I would hunch leading into this week, based on the amount of practice time that, that A.J. would get, uh, that Mike Wright probably is the leader in the clubhouse uh, to be the starting quarterback. Um, but that is certainly not guaranteed. They're totally different people. Um, I think last year, Ken Seals was the starting quarterback for Vanderbilt when they came to Gainesville. Mike Wright is... He's not strictly a runner by any stretch, but his strength for sure is his ability to challenge and stress defenses with his legs. A.J. Swan is more of a prototypical big-time gunslinger uh, quarterback, so they're totally different. I would hunch, uh, based just again on uh, practice time, et cetera, health, again, just gut, that it's more likely Mike Wright is the starting quarterback, but we'll see with A.J. throughout the course of the next 72 hours or so. Yep, uh, Swan's done a, a, a good job at times, and we'll see what happens with this. Um, defensively, sometimes numbers can lie. Vanderbilt's last in the league, giving up 35 points a game. Is this unit better now, though, than when it was beginning of the year? The thing that is stressed and challenged the defense, Steve, more than anything is the explosive play on the outside. Um if you go up against an old Miss team or someone like that or Alabama or whatever that can really put pressure on your cornerbacks, Vanderbilt has struggled throughout the course of the season. And, you know, I don't know if they're quantifiably better at that particular area. I think they've gotten better at scheming to manage that potential weakness, whether that's getting after the quarterback. They sacked Will Levis four times last weekend. Now I know Florida's offensive line has, and in part because of, 
you know, Anthony Richardson's been very good, being very elusive, very athletic. I get it. Sacks aren't super high against this Florida Gators team, but they have challenged quarterbacks with blitzes and pressures and twists and all of that sort of stuff. And their tackling up the middle through the linebackers has usually been pretty good throughout the course of the season. So um, they've been able to scheme around that particular weakness. There seems to be, and you kind of mentioned some of the players here, um, you know, more SEC caliber players, players on the offensive side of the ball that can make some explosive plays and and, and make some things happen. Uh, As far as recruiting and what uh, Clark is doing there, is that on the uptick too? Uh, It seems to be. Again, I think we sort of are, I don't want to say comfortable, but we understand that, you know, you could have a top 30 recruiting class in the country and still finish last in this conference in terms of the recruiting rankings. They have, uh, for folks that are super in the weeds on recruiting, would know the name Barton Simmons, who for a long time, I believe, was at 247 Sports. Yep. Um, I believe that's where he was. He was. Uh, and he was, yeah, he was, a, he was a big name there, but he's good buds with Clark Lee. They grew up together. Um, so he comes back. He comes off of that recruiting site sort of thing, and he's an in-house guy trying to build this roster. Barton would tell you that, you know, regardless of if you finish ninth, 10th, 11th, in the SEC and recruiting rankings, there's a thousand NFL players. That's his mindset. Every single year, there's a thousand guys that come to college that could be NFL players if they develop them properly and get them to the next level. So the recruiting is on the uptick. I think they've got a strategy, a game plan, a message that they're presenting to their style of recruits uh, that is going to benefit them long term. There will be more talent. There will be more depth. It's not going to be the way that Florida does it, LSU does it, Bama does it, Georgia does it. We're not going to stack you know, a whole mess of five stars on this roster. But what we're going to do is take an A.J. Swan, who is a four-star quarterback, and develop him to his peak. We're going to take a Jaden McGowan, who's a freshman from South Carolina that was pretty much getting only Ivy League offers. And all of a sudden, he's here, and he's been a real force for us because of his SEC caliber speed. Uh, so we're going to do at least the game plan is find those thousand guys that can be NFL players and develop them to the best of our ability. And from their mindset, whether they finish 10th, 11th, 13th, 14th, eventually 15th or 16th in the SEC and recruiting rankings, it doesn't, it doesn't matter because we can still be a top 30 or 40 recruiting class and develop them to the best of our ability to challenge teams. Andrew Allegretta, play-by-play voice of Vanderbilt, joining us here on Sports Scene. Two last questions for you. I, I've been to Nashville a million times, haven't lately uh, there was some reluctance with previous administrations to, you know, put money into the facility. Is that changing? Uh, yes, which is fun <laughs> and well-received internally. Um, again, we're not Georgia or Bama or whatever. We're not going to dump a billion dollars into athletic facilities, uh, at least right out of the gate. However, we're in the midst of a $300 million renovation of just about every athletic space, finally getting a dedicated football indoor practice facility, uh, getting a better dedicated basketball indoor practice facility, uh, totally revamping Vanderbilt, now First Bank Stadium, which is, you know, 100 years old. It's 100 years old this year, uh, and they're going to dump about, you know, $300 million or so into all of these projects to 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 commit themselves to athletics in a way that they haven't before. That's very much top down, not just athletic director. That's chancellor uh, guided. Uh, His message to the community has always been, if if we are going to be Vanderbilt 
and we're going to attempt to excel across the board, whether that's academic, whether that's research, that also means on the playing field. So we can't skip on that particular space. They're going to do it in Vanderbilt's way. They're going to do it in a way that's appropriate here. But yes, there is there is a renewed sense of um, pushing the envelope from a resource standpoint, resource standpoint to athletics. Always ask this of my guests. If, if Vanderbilt wins this game, Andrew, what's got to go right? I think the best thing that they did against Kentucky um, was have a bend but don't break defense. Uh, cliche a smidge. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Florida's, Florida, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> Florida, Florida's awfully talented. Uh, but if you pick through the numbers, the red zone offense has been curious, and perhaps you'd be able to shed more light on that. I know they're at the bottom in red zone offense this year, a 60% touchdown clip once they get in there. Uh, there was four red zone tries for Kentucky last Saturday. It was one touchdown. It was one blocked field goal and two field goals. Uh, if Vanderbilt can make sure that <laughs> whatever happens, <laughs> they're not giving up gigantic chunk plays and they're minimizing the ability for Florida to get into the end zone, even if they hold them to like two for four touchdown in the red zone and two field goals or whatever it is. You just you prolong the game, you get yourself to the fourth quarter, and you try to make a play late, which is exactly what they did against Kentucky. All right, we're going to find out what happens on Saturday. Andrew, always appreciate your time, man. Thanks for doing it. You got it, Steve. Thank you. Andrew Allegretta, he is the play-by-play voice of the Vanderbilt.